got to like a take charge woman, hey. <laughs> Let's all come back together, please. I want to try to honor my commitment to you to get you out of here by five. Because by 5.15, you're going to get hungry and then turn on me like a bunch of rabid dogs. Okay, a couple things before we start. Um, obviously, there's only so much we could cover. Um, back there on the table, there's a series called The Blessed Life. It's a seven CD series that sort of summarizes all of this um, and uh, goes into it in further detail. Um, also, there's a DVD series called Great Big God, and the middle two DVDs is a two DVD summary of what we're fixing to talk about, okay? So, um, so you get that. It's also got other things like the Hebrew wedding, and um, it's got the whole, the whole thing in there about the day Jesus is coming back and how they know the actual day, and you can find out in there. Okay, so... You could pick those things up back there along with a whole bunch of other stuff that will enhance your life. All right. And also, let me remind you that that the profit from that is what enables us to do tzedakah. So um, by sowing into your own life, you're actually enabling us to enter into tzedakah relationships with places in particularly South Africa and some other places. So um, I would commend you before you go tonight to stop back by there. Um, by tomorrow, history tells me that it sells out. So you may as well go while you have some choice. We are set up to take orders, but why? When you could just go pick it up today. All right? Don't put off till tomorrow what you could do today. All right. Uh, there we go. Sounds like a biblical thing. Now, Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. If, if the issue is sadaka, developing a sadaka spirit, the question then is, how do you define sadaka? There's got to be a working definition of it. Like, and, and there's two answers to it. One, there's this sort of uh, ethereal sort of, yeah, are you a generous person? But, but they also have a working definition. They have a system for doing their money, and the name of the system is called Sadaka. It's called Sadaka. In other words, if you do your money this way, this is called Sadaka. Okay? So here is the entire system. All right, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the end from the beginning and then go back and show it to you in Scripture, okay? The first thing they do with their money, the first offering to be given, it's called the highest offering, the holiest offering. In some places it's called the high holy offering. In other words, it's a superlative, high and holy, the highest holiest offering. It's called Taruma. Taruma. T-E-R-U-M-A-H. Taruma. It, it, it was the smallest offering as well. The, the, the smallest offering actually was the holiest offering because it was the first offering, the primary offering, and it sanctified all other offerings. Um, to, in their world, to tithe without honoring Taruma was just lunacy. It was just lunacy. That, that, that the very thing that sanctified the tithe was the Taruma. And the Taruma was very small. It was one-fortieth, one fortieth, which um, I, I was teaching this once in the South, and um, I said the Taruma is one fortieth, and some guy shouted from the back, "Well, who could afford to give forty percent to something?" Um, to which my thought was, "Where'd you go to school?" Um, one fortieth is not forty percent. Um, 
one, 40% is like two-fifths, but uh, 40, one-fortieth is, is two and a half percent. It, it's, it's, it's tw- this is how small it is. It's $25 on a $1, 1,000. $25 on a 1,000. For every $1,000 of increase, $25 is, is set apart wholly to the Lord as a terumah, as a terumah offering. Um, you might hear this called the offering of first fruits. It, it, in their culture, first fruits had to become teruma in order to be sanctified. Okay? We're going to get to that in a second. Okay? First fruits had to become teruma in order to be sanctified. So the first fruits would become teruma. The only way for it to become teruma is two things had to happen. It had to be lifted high, and then it had to be placed into the hands of their pastor. Right? The one fortieth offering went straight to the man of God in your life. Went straight to your pastor. A pastor was never intended to live on a salary from the tithe. The pastor was intended to live on the teruma of the people. Right? And we're going to talk about that. Relax. Right? I'll, 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 the, the, the teruma offering is mentioned three times more than the tithe in the Bible. And I'm going to show it to you. Okay, It's mentioned 87 times. The problem is the English translators translate the same word 13 different ways. Well, if you translate something 13 different ways, it dilutes its importance by a factor of 13, correct? So, um, and so I'm going I'm to show you some of those different ways. So, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Teruma was 140th straight to the pastor. N- next thing they would do is they would take a tenth of what was left and they would give it to their church. I- I'm putting it in today's terms, okay? They would give it to their church. H- here's how detailed they paid their tithes. This is how much they did. They would harvest their crop, they would place the crop on top of the animals, and then they would just go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Move the animal out of line, brand him as a tithe, they would put him in a tithe pile, and then they would bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. Okay? So the next thing they'd do is they'd pay a tenth to the church. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that because we've been taught that our whole life, and I don't think I need to teach that. So um, the, the tenth to the church. The next thing they would do is they would pay the next tenth to themselves. They were commanded to give the next tenth to themselves. Okay? Now, um, the reason for this, the reason for the confusion here is, if you want to confuse yourself, how many of you want to confuse yourself? This would be great. Um, if you go take Strong's Concordance and do a word study on the word tithe, um, if you say, you go look up every instance of the word tithe in the Old or New Testament, here's what you'll find. In some places it says, every year, bring a tithe of that year's increase into my house so that there'll be food in my house and the Levites take care of it and all this stuff, okay? In other places it says, every year, you should bring a tenth and save it, store it up for your feast and your festivals and as an inheritance to your children's children. So they were commanded not only to give a tenth, but they were commanded to save a tenth for a couple reasons. One, to save up for their feast and their festivals. But what was left over from the feast and festivals, they would trade it in for silver and gold and save it up as inheritance to their children's children. Which, once again, leads me to a question. If you're over 55 and you'd save 10% your whole life, how much money would you have? And then, of course, when you die and you leave that to your children, where are they starting? And then if they save 10%, how much money do they have? Do you see now why these people are so blessed? In some sense, it's the hand of God. In another sense, it's obedience to natural common sense. You save 10% of your income your whole life. And this set me free in the terms of the tithing realm. When I saw that God was just as interested in me saving money as he was in me giving money. That God, it is just as much a command to save it 
as it is to give it. Now, last thing they would do, it was called the, you see where the tithe, the word mass or is tithe, it just means tenth. Every one of these, although they're different, gets translated one way in English, tithe. So tithe gets three times more emphasis than it should, and teruma gets 13 times less emphasis than it should. Um, it's a problem. Um, the mass or ani was this. This is where it gets a little complicated. Every third, every third self-tithe, instead of giving it to myself, I give it to the poor. Okay? Every third self-tithe, instead of giving it to myself, I give it to the poor. You can read about that in Deuteronomy 14. It says, every third year, which is the year of the special tithe, take a tithe of that year's increase and set it aside for strangers, orphans, widows, and aliens. <laughs> strangers, orphans, widows, and aliens. So, th- this was the system. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and I'm going to show you all this in Scripture and then we're going to talk about each one, okay? Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. For I am the Lord, your God. So so what he says is this. He says, when you conceptualize your financial life, which is very important. When God got this group of people out of slavery in Egypt and into freedom in the promised land, he was trying to create a culture of people who would show the whole world what does God look like if he was leading the way. So to create a whole new culture, you have to deal with a lot of questions, don't you? What's acceptable and what's not acceptable in our culture? So he gives them things like, we're not going to kill each other. We're going to take a day off a week. We're going to do these things. One of the commands is, thou shalt not... Steal. Thou shalt not steal. Well, well, hang on. To build an entire culture, one of the things you have to deal with is this. How do we think about our stuff? How do you think about what's yours? There's only two ways to accumulate things legitimately. One way is to work for it and earn it. You work for it, you pay for it, you earned it, it's yours. The other way to legitimately acquire things is gifts. So, uh, a year and a half ago, someone gave me a car. It was a nice one, right? The car is legitimately mine. Not because I worked for it and earned it, but because someone gave it to me. Okay? But it's still nonetheless legitimately mine. Every other way of accumulating things are illegitimate. If you st- That's called stealing. So, so essentially, God sets out this command. We're, we're, gonna, we're going to think about our stuff in a different way. And here's the center of the command. How do you think about your stuff? Do you think about your stuff in a way that you worked for it and earned it? Or do you think about your stuff as it's all a gift from God? Either way. He says in different ways. Hey, remember when you have abundance in the promised land that it is I, the Lord your God, who gave you the ability to obtain wealth. In other words, the best way to live is not to think of anything you have as your own, but that it all belongs to God. And that you're a steward of something bigger. So God says, since I am in charge and you are the steward of my money, let me tell you how the best way to handle your money is. Here's how the best way to handle my money actually is. Um, He says, I want you to visualize your life as a square. When you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap to the edges of the field or gather the gleanings of the harvest or go over a second time. Leave that for giving. All right. 
So essentially the imagery is this. If your field is a square, he wants you to live on a circle. He wants you to live on a circle inside of a square. In other words, the corners are forgiving. They're not for you. This is not for you. We are to live on what's on the circle. So I asked a mathematician, what percentage of a square is a circle? If you put a circle inside of a square, what percentage of it is that? And if you want to get technical, from here to here is pi. So from here to here is 2 pi. So this is 2 pi. And, and, and this is 2 pi. And this is pi. Okay, it's 79%. That if you drop a circle into a square, you have 79% of the square. So God's way of doing life in terms of money is to live with 21% margins. To live with 21% margins. That we are to live on 79% of what we make and we are to give away the other 21. Now, there's a problem with that. In New Zealand, do people live with 21% margin? No. In America, the average person spends $1.01 for every dollar they make. Which means they're living on their entire square and 1% of some other person's square. Ford Motor Credit, Home Equity Lines, MasterCard, Visa. So here's what we do. Instead of, instead of doing things God's way, here's what we do. We live, God's way is live on a circle inside of a square. Am I making sense? Live on a circle inside of a square. We say, we don't believe that's the best way to live. What we believe is, we're going to believe our version of the story. And what we believe is that we should live on our whole square. And of course, when you live on your whole square, who moves into your house? Murphy. Right? When you live on your whole square with no margin, who, who moves into your house? Murphy. And not only does Murphy move in there, his three cousins, broke, desperate, and stupid, move in, right? <laughs> People do stupid things when they're desperate, don't they? And so, and so what happens is when you live with no margins, all it takes is one disaster to throw everything. Listen, if you can't afford for your tire to go flat, what is wrong with you? We have to live on enough margin to where if a tire goes flat, we could just go replace the tire without borrowing money for a tire. You with me? Like when we use credit cards, when we use that 1% of someone else's square, here's the problem. In the next year, we have to pay them the one cent back, don't we? With interest. So we borrow one cent, but it takes up a bigger percentage of our square till before we know it, our whole square is gone. Let me tell you what that looks like. When you get paid, every cent of it has to go to pay bills. How does that feel? It feels like you have no square. So what actually appears like freedom is actually bondage. So they write things like the borrower is slave to the lender. In other words, if you make a thousand dollars and nine hundred and eighty-five of it is actually someone else's because you owe it to them, that's not freedom. That's lunacy. That's slavery. So we live on our whole square plus a certain percentage of someone else's square, and then we blame Satan for our financial problems. not satan poor satan (laughs) when it comes to most of us and how we handle our money satan can take a vacation we're making enough stupid decisions to ruin ourselves 
God says, listen, uh, I want you to live on a circle inside of a square. This is how I want you to organize your financial life. This is how I want you to do it. That, that you're not entitled to things. Listen, if you're buying cars you can't afford with money you don't have to impress people you don't like, it is not Satan's fault where that ends up. That we have to take responsibility for it. We have to own it. We have to know, wait a minute, I need to, I need to, I need to at least, at least, I need to enter into a process, a two-year plan to get my life to look like that. At least. Make a plan to try. You say, I can't afford to tithe. Great. Do 1%. Do 1%. I, I can't afford to do... Yes, you can. Everybody can afford to honor Taruma. It's so small. It's $25 on 1000 Are you kidding me? That's Coke. Like drinking Coke, not sniffing Coke. Like... <laughs> Sniffing Coke is much more expensive. Um, but you could give up Coke. You could give up coffee. You could give up to, to, to bring this kind of thing around for your life. Let, check out the next scripture. Uh, there is this connection between generosity, sadaqah, and righteousness. Listen to this. Uh, Psalm 37, verse 25 and 26. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. For all the day long, he deals generously. You've got to say, in English, there's a disconnect. A, a righteous man deals generously. In Hebrew, it's obvious. This is what it would say. A sadak man does sadaka. A sadak man operates in sadaka, which would lend itself to, well, duh, right? A sadak man obviously does sadaka. This is Psalm 112, verse 5. Psalm 112, verse 5. A righteous man always shows generosity. A righteous man always shows generosity. Deuteronomy 24. I've got to go fast because of time, but this is really cool. Deuteronomy 24, 17. Do not deprive the alien or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of a widow as a pledge. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. This is why I command you to do this. In, in other words, why should you treat others with dignity that maybe they don't deserve? Because at some point in your life, God treated you with dignity that you didn't deserve. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that. I, I love this. Isaiah 1, verse 15. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I won't listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. <laughs> In other words, that whole rant, what was the problem? Generosity. Generosity. What was the solution to their problem? Be generous. I, I love this. Um, th there's this one scripture in Luke chapter 3. It it's about a guy named John the Baptist. And he goes on this rant. These group of people come out to be baptized by him. They're not coming to challenge him or anything. They're coming to be baptized by him. And, and here's his response. You brood of vipers! Who has warned you to flee the coming wrath? Produce fruit and keep you with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, you have Abraham as a father. For I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Not the greatest church growth technique, is it? People coming out to be baptized by him. And his, his, his answer is, you basket of snakes. <laughs> you fatherless people. There's a word for that. Starts with a B. Don't want to call people that, right? 
You basket of snakes, you fatherless people. It gets worse. The axe has already fallen to the root of your trees. And every one of you will be cut down and thrown into fire. I I would suggest to you that John is not a Baptist at all. (laughs) John is more a Pentecostal pastor on speed. (laughs) Um, Um... so, so he gives this whole rant. You basket of snakes, you fatherless people. The axe has fallen to the root of your trees and all of you are going to be cut down and thrown into fire. What sin do you think he was addressing? Idolatry. Homosexuality. I mean, everybody knows there's three things the Lord hates, right? So, what do you think, what do you think he's dealing with? No, no, the crowd says, the crowd's taken aback by him. The crowd says, what do you want us to do? Watch what his answer is. He says, let the man with two tunics share with the one who has none. And let the one with food do the same. That whole rant was about generosity and greed. Generosity and greed. Luke 19, there's this encounter with Jesus and Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus gives half of what he has to the poor. And Jesus said, that's it. Salvation has now come to you. Generosity. Generosity. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4. I'm flying now. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4. It says that, that they sold everything they had and gave it to those who were in need. And that's the period of time that the power of God moved the most mighty through the church. Acts chapter 2 is generosity. James chapter 1, verse 26. I love this. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep his tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Um, the religion our Father sees as pure is generosity. Generosity. Now, let me go back to this. The first and holiest offering in the Sadaka system was called Teruma. Okay, now, let me give you the gist of it. Some farmer in the Gold Coast explained this to me from a science perspective. I'm sorry, I cannot re-explain it. Essentially, what he told me was, and it was true back then, I guess it's still true now. When you plant a field, and I know I'm in sort of a farming area, so if I get a little bit of this wrong, um, (laughs) you plant a field, a certain percentage of the field comes up first. It has to do with the half-life of a seed or something. I don't know. Anyway, the certain percentage of the field comes up first. When that comes up, it's called the first fruit. Okay? The first fruit. Now, here's what they believed. Whatever is true of the first fruit is true of the whole crop. Whatever is true of the first fruit is true of the whole crop. Okay? And that went all the way through their culture. What's true of the firstborn is true of the whole family. What's true of the first words true of the whole book. What's true of the first letters true of the whole word. What's true of the first mention is true of every other mention. What's true of the first fruit is true of the whole crop. So, now think about it. If what's true of the first fruit is true of the whole crop, it's very important that your first fruit is holy. And the only way for your first fruit to become holy is that the first fruit, the word first fruit is bickering. B-I-K-K-U-R-I-M. Bickering. The only way for the first fruit to become holy is that it becomes teruma. For first fruit to become teruma, two things had to happen. One, it had to be lifted high. 
They had to be lifted high. The word teruma, the root word is room, which means to lift high. Okay? So in English, you'll see it translated this way. Wave offering. Heave offering. High offering. High holy offering. In one place it's called the tribute, which I'll cover that in a second. So they had to lift it high. So what they would do is they would lift it high, essentially saying, I give this to God. My first fruits belongs to God. They had to lift it high. And then the second thing they had to do is they had to place it into the hands of their pastor. So they had to lift it high. They had to place it into the hands. Lift it high. Place it into the hands. I want everybody to say this with me because I don't, I don't want you to forget this. Because it's going to come back later. You had to lift it high. Placed in the hands. Try it again. Lift it high. Placed in the hands. The imagery was this. When I lift it high, I give it to God. And God commands me to give it to my pastor. To my priest. The scriptures are coming. Okay. They had to lift it high. They had to place it into the hands. When, to, when the first fruits was lifted high and placed into the hands, it was called teruma. And that made the first fruits holy, which sanctified the rest of the crop. Okay? Then what they would do, so what they do is they, they would harvest their first fruits. They would bind it. They would lift it high. Place it into the hands. Then they would go back, and when the rest of the harvest came up, they would harvest that. From that, they would pay a first tithe to the Lord. First tithe to the Lord. Then they would go back and count out another tithe for themselves. And then every third self-tithe, instead of giving it to themselves, they gave it to the poor. Okay, now, let's go back to Teruma. Let's go back to Teruma. Let me read the scripture to you from 1 Kings chapter 17. Remember, if the first fruit is holy, the whole lump is holy. Okay, that's Romans eleven sixteen. by the way. That's New Testament. If the first fruit is holy, the whole lump is holy. Whatever is true of the first fruit is true of all the crop that comes after it. If the first fruit is holy, the whole lump is holy. So what's true of the first fruit is true of the whole crop. All right? Now, now watch what happens. First Kings 17, verse 8. This is a story about Elijah and a widow. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and he said, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Okay, look this way. So let, let's review. You have a widow. How many mouths does she have to feed? Two. Her and her son. How many meals does she have? One. So she has one meal, two mouths. This guy shows up. He says, I, I need some bread and some water. She says, listen, let me tell you my circumstance. I have one meal, two mouths. I've got a problem. I, I, I'm actually just going to cook this meal. And then me and my son are going to eat this meal. We're going to split it. And then we're going to die. How much hope is in that? Not much. Not much at all. 
watch what Elijah tells her. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. Hold on. What did she say? I'm going to go home, make one meal for two people, eat it and die. Elijah says, go home, uh, do what you said. Watch what he says. But first, everybody say first. But first, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have. And bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. Hold on, look this way. Um, if CNN and the internet are around back then, what is the Christian world saying about Elijah? Either Elijah is the most insensitive jerk in the history of mankind, or he's on to something. He says, oh, you've got one meal and two mouths? That's a problem. You, you could go home and eat it and die. You could do that. Or you could give the first portion to me and watch what happens. Watch what happens. For this is what the Lord your God says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run out until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her whole family. The principle is this. When the first portion of something is in the right hands, the rest of it can't die. This is so huge when it comes to your money and your spirit. I'm going to talk about the spirit part in a second. When the first portion of something is in the right hands, the rest of it can't run out, it can't die. That the whole lump has to follow the sanctity of the first portion. It is very important that the first fruits of your entire increase is sanctified. And the only way to sanctify it is to give it as a teruma. It has to be, everybody with me, lifted high, placed in the hands. Try it with a little more gusto. Lift it high. Placed in the hands. Try it again. Lift it high. Placed in the hands. I know I'm giving you a lot to think about. That's why people are writing, trying to talk. All the men in the room are having a meltdown. They can't do more than one thing. All right. Now, Malachi chapter 3. Will a man rob God? Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Hold on. In that scripture, one of us got the reference wrong. That's okay. You guys know the scripture, right? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. Hold on. Listen, you have robbed me in tithes. How many are there? Plural. The word tithe there is plural. Which means what? There, there's more than one. How, how many are there? You don't know at this point. If you just know it's plural. Which means there's more than one. Which means there could be nine. How many of you are excited about the fact that there could be nine tithes? Actually, there's only three. You've robbed me in tithes, and then the word offering there is teruma. You have robbed me in tithes and teruma. You have robbed, in other words, don't withhold your teruma or your tithes. That, that to God, to not save 10%, this is so important, to not save 10% of your income is stealing. I'm hearing it. Ooh. 
We always hear, if you don't give 10%, you're stealing. Is it true? Yes. But to not save 10% is also stealing. They were both commands, and they were both commanded tithes. Why? Because God wanted to put you under a law? No. God knows if you save 10% of your income your whole life, you will be wealthy beyond measure. Be wealthy beyond measure. Um, Just by compounding interest. I'm telling you, the rule of 72 says if the stock market does 12% on average, your money's going to double every six years. The stock market in America has averaged 11.7% since 1920. Um, So on average, your money will double about every six years. God is smart. My mom trained me to save 10% of my income my whole life. Since I was four, I've saved 10% of my income. Right now, I'm on, I'm on pace to have about $6 million at 60. Um, once again, can't touch it till I'm 60, so ease up. But, um, <laughs> ease um, but the truth is, is that God is smart. God wants our best life. Back to the Taruma thing. Um, I was taught my whole life until I learned this, that first fruits and tithes were the same thing. In point of fact, they're not. In the book of Leviticus, it says that you're not even allowed to eat until the first fruit and tithes are separated. Here's a couple of other scriptures. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 44. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 44. At that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions for both first fruits and tithes. First fruits and tithes. Two separate things. Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 35. Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 35. Check this out. And bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all of our trees year by year into the house of the Lord. Bring from the storerooms to the house of our God. Next, next verse. Also the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle. As it is written in the law, and the firstlings of our herds, and the first of our flocks, to bring to the house of our God, to the priests that minister in the house of our God. So the first fruit was meant to go into whose hands? The priest. The priest. Keep, keep going. And that we should also bring the first fruits of our dough, and our heave offerings. Taruma. And the fruit of all manner trees, the new wine and oil, unto the priests, to the chambers of the house of our God. Then he goes on. And the tithes of our ground to the Levites. So the first fruits was supposed to go into the hands of the priests. The tithe was meant to be given into the Levites' hands so that they could take care of God's house. So first fruits and tithes were the same thing. First fruits and tithes were the same. Well, not, not the, excuse me. First fruits and tithes were not the same thing. They were separated. One went to the priest, and one went to the house of the Lord. First fruits and tithes. Now, let, let me just give you a few scriptures where the word teruma is used, and it's translated all these kinds of different ways. Let, let me show it to you. Exodus twenty-five, verse two. I've got the NIV here, and there's another version here, so I'm going to just turn around and read it this way. Exodus twenty-five, verse two. Speak to the children of Israel that they take for me an offering. The word is teruma. Of every man whose heart makes him willing, you shall raise, it says take my offering, it says you should raise my teruma. Teruma, to raise something, to raise an offering, to lift it up. Right? Check, check this one out. 
Numbers 31:41. Remember, Teruma, for first fruits to become from Teruma, what did it have to happen? It had to be lifted high and then placed into the hand of the priest. Now, watch this, Numbers 31:41. And Moses gave the tribute. The word there in Hebrew is Teruma. And Moses gave the Teruma, which was Jehovah's Teruma, unto Eliezer the priest, just as Jehovah had commanded Moses. What had happened was the Israelites had confiscated an entire city's worth of loot. And they had counted all the head of cattle and all the grain and all the, all the stuff. They had counted it all up. And then Moses says, hey, before we divide this stuff amongst ourselves, we have to honor the man of God here. And so they gave a teruma portion of the entire thing to the priest because God had commanded to. That is the principle of God. You have to honor the priest with your first fruits. Okay? Ezekiel 44.30. They're um, in captivity in Babylon. And, and God sends these prophets to them to remind them, you know, to, to, to keep their prosperity mindset. It says, and the first of all the first fruits of everything. The first of all the first fruits of everything. And every... This says oblation. What is an oblation? Sounds like a surgical technique. It's teruma. And the first of all your first fruits of everything, and every teruma of everything, of all your terumas. The word oblation there, I don't even know what that means. It's the word teruma, a heave offering, an offering that's supposed to be lifted high and placed into the hands of the priest. Watch what it says. And all the first of all the first fruits of everything, and every teruma of everything, of all your terumas, shall be for the priest you shall also give unto the priest the first of your dough in order to cause a blessing to rest on your house in other words if if you take care of your priest uh the rest of your house takes care of itself interesting um oh also ezekiel 48 uh ezekiel 48 verse 10 that they had been given a certain portion of land and even the land had a teruma portion. And, and, and that God was saying, listen, make sure the priests get the teruma portion to live in. This is what it says. And for these, even for the priest, shall be the holy teruma. Once again, oblation. Odd translation. And for these, even for the priest, shall be the holy teruma. Everybody say this with me. Holy teruma! Once again, teruma represented the offering of the first fruits, and it was meant to be in the hands of the priest. Priest, in order to cause a blessing to rest in your house. You guys should know these scriptures. Proverbs three nine: Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. Wait a minute, what, what's a first fruits offering? A, a teruma. How did first fruits become teruma? It was lifted high, placed into the hands. Lifted high. Place it to the hands. Honor the Lord with your first fruits of your increase. Then your barns will fill to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18, verse 3. Check this out. And this shall be the priest's due from the people. In other words, this is what you owe your priest for serving as a priest. From them that offer a sacrifice, whether it be ox or sheep, they shall give it to the priest, the shoulder, the two cheeks, and the maw. You don't want to know. Oh, back up, back up, back up. 
In other words, if, if I order a sacrifice for you, the NIV says it this way, the shoulder, the jowls, and the inner parts. Yum, yum. We're going to eat good. To, hey, so, so when a priest does something for you, you owe him a portion of it. Watch what, thank goodness it doesn't stop here. Watch this. Next, next verse. The first fruits of all of your grain, the first fruits of your new wine and your oil, and the first fleece from your shearing of your sheep, you shall give to him, priest. In other words, the first portion of everything belongs into the hands of the priest. Uh, Next verse. For Jehovah your God has chosen him out of all of your tribes to stand and minister in his name always. Skip down to verse 7. Then he shall minister in the name of Jehovah's God as all his brothers and Levites do who stand before Jehovah. Next verse. They shall have like portions to eat besides that which comes from the sale of his patrimony. What is up with that translation? Essentially, essentially it's saying that a priest who has money from other places is still due the Teruma portion. Even if he has money from other places, it's still his. Why? Because the Teruma was not about your priest needing money. The Teruma was about you needing to unlock the blessings of God over your life. There's a scripture, we won't read it, um, just trust me there, Numbers 18. It talks about this is the share due to the priest, the first fruits of all of their offerings. And then it says this, it says something odd. It says, for this will be an everlasting covenant of salt. This will be an everlasting covenant of salt. You guys know what the covenant of salt was? Covenant of salt happened at a wedding. Basically, the, the, the groom would stand on one side and the bride would stand on the other. And, and each of them had a baggie of salt. And the, and the, and the, so you had the groom on one side with a baggie of salt, the, the bride on one side with a baggie of salt, and then the priest had an empty baggie. So he would take the groom's bag of salt and dump it in the empty bag. He'd take the bride's bag of salt and dump it in the empty bag. And then he would hold it like this and he would shake it. And he would say, what God has joined together, let no man tear asunder. And and the teaching was, was that um, sometimes divorce happens. And you ought to be very gracious with it. Sometimes divorce happens. But whether a divorce is right or whether a divorce is not right, you can never totally separate the salt too hard to do. Then he would take the mixed salt and he would sprinkle it on their hands. So in other words, the Teruma offering acted as a covenant of salt between you and your priest. In other words, whatever is on your priest's life, you can have rights to when you're in a Teruma relationship. In other words, you have two choices. You can stand in an impartation line for the next 20 years, (laughs) or you can start honoring Teruma and the very things that are on their lives will start to come on yours without you even trying. It's Teruma. It's Teruma. Now, this is so important to your finances. So important. When you sanctify everything else in your life by honoring the Lord with your first fruits, must review, how does first fruits become Teruma? It had to be lifted up and it had to be placed in the hands. Had to be lifted high, placed in the hands. Everybody say it with gusto. Lifted high, Placed in the hands. This has huge implications. What's true of the first fruit is true of the whole crop. We have to understand this has spiritual implications too. Jesus was actually two offerings on the cross. One, he was a sin offering. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. 
But he was also a first fruits offering. 1 Corinthians 15 says it this way. That Jesus rose from the dead being the first fruits of all who died. Well, hang on. Hold on. Let's, let's think through the principle. If what's true of the first fruit is true of the whole crop. If the first fruits of all who die is living, what's true of all who die? You are following me, right? They live. If what's true of the first fruit is true of the whole crop, if the first fruits of all who die is living, then all who die are living. It guaranteed the resurrection. So if Jesus is a first fruits offering, what did he have to become to be sanctified? Taruma. How did first fruits become Taruma? It had to be lifted high. Behold, if I be lifted high, I will draw all men to myself. It had to be lifted high. What, what, it had to be lifted high and then it had to be placed in the hands of their spiritual authority. Who was Jesus' spiritual authority? The Father. So when he died, what does he say? Father, into your... So Jesus was a first fruits offering, which means he had to become Taruma. To become Taruma, he had to be lifted high and placed into the hands. So Jesus was lifted high. And when he died, what did he say? Father, into your hands. Which is what guaranteed the resurrection. Three days later, the father says, give me my son back. If you'll humor me for a second, Satan might have said, based on what? Based on the fact that the first fruits is in my hand, now the whole lump has to follow, now give him back. Jesus was brilliant. All he did, he could have done all this miraculously, whatever, but all he did was he instituted a universal principle and then he followed it. What's true of the first fruits is true of the whole crop. So he placed the first fruits of himself into the hands of his father, which guaranteed his resurrection. It's the very thing that guarantees yours. When you come to Christ, what do you do? You give your heart to to Jesus. The, the Bible says it this way, that, he, that God gives you a deposit of the Holy Spirit and, and, and you give him your heart. So essentially, you give him the first fruits of your being, which is why to be absent from the body is to be present with God. Why? Because the first fruits of your being is already in his hands. So when you die, the whole lump simply follows to where the first fruits are. Um, the, the principle of first fruits goes into resurrection. So what does this mean for us financially? Well, it means if the first fruits are in the right hands, your finances can't die. They might look dead, but a resurrection's guaranteed. <laughs> the first fruits of your finances have to be in the right hands. The first fruits of your spirit needs to be in the right hands. It's very important. Um, there's all kinds of extra biblical sources on this too, like the Mishnah. The Mishnah is huge. Um, but I've actually seen this. Volume 4 of the Mishnah is like that thick. This is how commonplace this was. Volume 4 of the Mishnah was that thick, and it's all about how to give to Roma. That, that's how commonplace it was. Do you see how much we've lost? Um, it was very common. It didn't go away to about 350 A.D. When Constantine... What, what, oh, oh this, this is how it went away, if you're wondering. Um, uh, Constantine had a meeting with the leaders of the tribe of Judah. 
And he says, essentially, we have all the education, we have all the resources, we have all the roads, we have all the ports, but you still have all the money. Why? And the leaders of the tribe of Judah said, well, they just pointed this out to him. This is how we do our money. And you can read about this, by the way, in the history book, The Post-Nicene Fathers, Volume 7, if you're interested. Um, the, um, Constantine said, is that it? They said, yes. He said, fine, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to institute a tax. Now, now listen to the tax. One-eighth of a day's wage, one-fortieth of a week's wage, and one-sixtieth of a season's wage, all on top of one another. One-eighth of a day's wage, one-fortieth of a week's wage. In other words, the first fortieth of their income, where did that normally go? To the priest. The Roman government reached down and confiscated it. To which they asked, what about our pastors and our poor? What are we supposed to do with them? And Constantine said, the government will take care of them. Don't worry about it. Which was the start of socialism. And it never worked. Why? Because the power was supposed to be in God's people to do those things. And God's principles never changed. That's why America will never get out of debt. It's because they abandoned God's ways. Not Satan's fault. Our fault. Um... So I, char- I, I asked you to challenge you. Oh, by the way, oh, the Mishnah, the Didache. Uh, the Didache is a, uh, a book that was written in the late first century. It, it might, it's known by his longer name, The Teaching of the Twelve Apostles to the First Century Church. The, the Didache did not make it into the Bible, nor am I saying it should. I'm just simply saying if Peter, James, and John wrote it, we probably ought to listen. Um, in the Didache, chapter 13, this is what it says. If you have a pastor willing to live among you and teach you the word, he's worthy of your terumah. If you do not have a pastor willing to live among you and teach you the word, then give your taruma to the poor. Whatever you do, don't eat it. Um, the only people allowed to eat the taruma portion is the priest. So, let me make a couple of observations. Number one, I have nothing to gain by telling you this. There's no selfish motive in my heart at all. I'm not your pastor. I'm not your pastor. But I will tell you this. You have a pastor willing to live among you and teach you the word. He's worthy of your teruma. He's worthy of your teruma. Absolutely. Yep. I'll also tell you this. I'm going to challenge you to weigh this out. I'm going to challenge you to, to ask yourself, is this, is this really what God is saying? And if the Spirit of God does not bear witness to you, I will ask you not to do it. Don't. No. But as you're listening to this, if, if you know something in here tells you that this is right, here's what I want you to do. For the next six months, I want you to dedicate yourself to a process of getting your life organized like this. If you can't do anything, start with the Taruma. It was the first offering anyway, and it's the smallest, it's the easiest to do. I could sit here till tomorrow morning and tell you stories about miracles associated with Taruma. First, when I was a pastor, the first room I ever received was before I even understood it. Someone else understood it. This guy walked up and had waving $3. The poor guy, only one of his eyes worked. And, and they, they, he, both eyes worked, but they only worked one at a time. And they, one would shut off. And then, so he'd look at you like this, and then he'd do a lot. And he couldn't. It was every, and the other eye would float around. It's weird. And so, uh, I, I, I used to mess with him because... He, one time, in front of a whole group of people, he told this whole group of people that he could beat me up in a fight, and, which was ridiculous. But, um, but I didn't want to fight him, and so he just kept going and kept going. So I said, hey, look, hey, do me a favor. Uh, uh, watch my hands. 
And so his eyes started doing this, and he was like, stop! Oh, but, <laughs> so, so, he comes down the hallway waving $3. And he was broke as. You can't believe how broke he was. And so he's $3, and I thought, I don't need his $3. So he hands me this $3, and every impulse in me wanted to give it back. So I went to give it back, and the Spirit of the Lord stopped me. And he said, you do not give that back. It's not for you. It's for him. So he gives me the $3. He got home that night, and not one person, but two people had given him an automobile. Taruma works. My mom gave her first Taruma. I explained this to her because she said that, that her company had said she's cat because of her education. They wouldn't promote her anymore. And I said, Mom, try this. She gave her first Taruma, and three days later, they didn't promote her once, they promoted her twice, and they decided to put her through college at, through, through college at their expense. Um, the, my first Taruma, when I first saw this, I asked the Lord, this is what I asked him, Lord, please forgive me for not honoring Taruma. I did not know. I just didn't know. I, I didn't, it wasn't I was being rebellious, I just didn't know. So I said, Lord, please forgive me for dishonoring Taruma. I didn't know. And I said, Lord... Um, where I want to start today. How far back do you want me to go? Lord, give me my first Taruma amount, and then from this day forward, I'm going to honor it. And for some reason, the Lord told me $111, which was weird. So, I, But I wrote it out, $111. I lifted it high. I placed it into my pastor's hands, and I asked him to bless it with all the blessings of Taruma, which he didn't understand, so I wrote out a blessing for him to say. I said, just say this. It's fine. Um, I gave him $111 as a truma. The next week, someone gave me a house. Uh, which he said, I'd like to give you my house. I said, for how much? He said, oh, I've got to do some repairs. That it, just paid, it ended up costing me 50000 bucks for a three-bedroom brick home. So he gives me this house a week after that. And, and it took me a little while to move in, but once I moved in, I didn't realize it until the first time I checked my mail that my address was 111 Birch Lane. Coincidence? Maybe. Likely not. For me, it meant a lot to me. Now listen, this is so important. All preachers, when they preach, they're still working it out in their own life. Okay? Because none of us are perfect. But on this topic... As far as I know, if I stood before God, I live that way. I live that way. I honor my teruma. I give my first tenth to the church. I give my next tenth to myself. And then every third tenth, I get, instead of giving it to myself, I give it to the poor. As far as I know, I live that way. And let me tell you, it has done nothing but bless my entire life. I got problems just like anybody else. But money isn't one of them. God, let God be true in every man alive. Now, let me close this out by giving you a practical example because I know the biggest question is, okay, how does this work in my life? What do I do? What checks do I write? Let me just give you this. On $1,000, I picked $1,000 because it's easy to do math on. Okay? On $1,000, first thing you would do is give a taruma. Now remember, we're called to live on a circle and a square. A circle inside of a square is 79%. On $1,000... First, the first 40th, $25, goes to your pastor. Here, that is Mike. Okay? That's Pastor Mike. It goes right to him. All right? 
Alright, so the first fortieth goes to him. Then the next tenth goes to the church. So on a thousand dollars, you give twenty-five to him, that leaves you with nine seventy-five. The next tenth goes to the church, which is ninety-eight dollars. We're not going to do ninety-seven fifty because we have Sadaka spirits. Nine seventy-five, and it's easier to do math this way. Ninety-eight dollars would be your tithe. That leaves you eight seventy-seven. After that, you pay a second tithe to yourself, which is eighty-eight dollars, which leaves you with seven eighty-nine. Seven eighty-nine is exactly seventy-nine percent of a thousand. It's exactly the circle and the square. So the math from the commands perfectly matches the illustration from agriculture. It's almost like the writer had some help. Um, I bless you guys to know that God wants you to win. He wants you to develop a Sadaka spirit. He doesn't want you just to go to heaven one day. He wants you to bring heaven to earth now. I bless you today to know that you can win financially. You can. Now, this next part I do with great trepidation. Um, are there any questions? Non-combative questions. Yes, loud though. You've got to be loud. It's up to you. Good question though. I would never... Listen, there is no condemnation for those in Jesus, okay? Um, if People who say, do we do this before tax or after tax? I say, listen to your heart. I do it before tax. But I would never put that on someone as a stake in the ground. I'm in, you're out. No, no. no. If it ever turns into, I'm in, you're out, I'm right, you're wrong, we're missing the spirit of the whole thing. Um, so good question, but let your heart be your guide there. Any other questions? Look loud. Well, you do it however you want. You can. You can. Sure. Yeah. Great question. Let me handle that. Okay, you could, pay, you could do it any way you want. They got paid once a year. We get paid once a week. Or, or once a fortnight. Or once a month. I get paid once a month. So I, it's e- you can do it any way you want, but for me, it's easier to do it when I get paid. So I get paid once a month. So every month, I give a taruma to my pastor, I give a tithe to my church, and then I pay a second tithe to myself. Okay. Now, here's how I do it, because I get paid by months. In the first month and the second month, January and February, I give a taruma to my pastor, a tithe to my church, a second tithe to myself. In... Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, you need a course in stenography. Uh, the, um, uh, so in January and February, because they're the first two months, I give a taruma to my pastor, a tithe to my church, and then a tithe to myself. In March, because it's the third month, I give a taruma to my pastor, a tithe to my church, and then the second tithe to the poor. Okay? So in, in the third... 6th, 9th, and 12th month, March, June, September, December, my second tithe goes to the poor. Yeah, great. Good question. That's a good question. I promise you, a lot of people wanted to ask that. Very good. Loud. Ah! 
good question. Um, here's what I tell people. First thing you want to do in your second tithe is to get $2,000 in the bank. So pay your second tithe to yourself to get $2,000 in the bank. That way, if a tire goes flat, you'll have money to fix it. Okay? First thing you do is get $2,000 in the bank. Second thing you do with your second tithe is pay off all your consumer debt. Credit cards, home equity lines, uh, uh, car loans, things like that. Pay all your consumer debt. It does no good to invest when you're paying 18% interest to MasterCard. Okay? So use your second tithe first to get $2,000 in the bank. Then use your second tithe to pay off all your consumer debt except your house. Because your house is going up in value. At least it should. Okay? Then, then, go, then go back to the $2,000 and get six months of expenses in the bank. And then start investing in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever you all call it here. And then after that, pay your house off. Huh? Yeah, six, but I'll take a hundred. There you go. Well, you want to honor God. First of all, the question is, is do you have a Sadaka spirit? That's more important than anything. That's one. Two, um, it depends on if you did it on your gross or on your net to begin with. I mean... I would just say let your heart be your guide. You'll know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, maybe. It's possible. Not all of it, because some of it's in gold. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just speak up way loud. Yes. It can be. For them it was, because their harvest was once a year. No. Um, it can be once a year. I'm not, you know, if, if you decided to give one to room offering a year, fine. Of course. Hmm. Thank you. I'd much rather you like me than not. Yes. Yeah. And, and they, they likely took a principle that was true. And they took it as far as they knew. They were probably very good people. Who were just taking a principle that they knew as far as they could. Yeah. They, might, they just likely didn't know. Anything? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Loud. I really, uh, yes, that's a very good question. Thank you for being brave enough to ask that. Um, um, essentially, what he's saying is, is that um, if, 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 you're in, if you're in a hard way, can you get a reprieve until things get back on your feet? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, listen, God is not petty, nor is he insecure, and God always sees your heart. Here, here's the truth of it is, you want to unlock everything in the universe in your benefit. Can I talk to you business owners for a second? Okay. I, run, I don't just run my personal finance this way. I run my business this way. Um, you'll never do something better in your whole life. 
um, when that thing comes over your business, you won't be able to stop it. Anything? Uh, assuming, hang on. Assuming, working hard, not being stupid. God is not, this is not the cure for stupid. This is not the cure for selfishness. This is not the cure for laziness. God is not duty bound to finish anything he didn't start. Okay? Anything else? Yeah, yes, cool. You don't give it till your income comes in. You don't you don't you don't give anything until there's increase. Yes, Robbie. Yep. Killer haircut, man. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, the, this is, that bit of chest hair coming out of your shirt is quite quite nice too. I, yeah, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Yes. 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 Well, very much so. I mean, the, the Teruma offering is so small to be faithful a little. And Jesus addresses it a couple times in a way that you don't really understand unless you are very familiar with ancient rabbinical teachings. Um, there was, there was, the main rabbi in Jesus' day was a guy named Hillel. The other guy was a guy named Shammai. And Hillel had a famous teaching on Teruma that said this. Um, that Because essentially, you could give anywhere between 140th and 160th as an acceptable Teruma. And I didn't go into all that because 140th is just easier to remember and it's your first hour of a week. And Anyway, but, but Hillel, said, Hillel said, if someone gives Terum at a 160th level, they have an evil eye. If someone gives Terum at a 150th level, they have a middling eye. If someone gives Terum at a 140th level, they have an eye full of light. And if someone doesn't give Terum at all, they're an infidel. And so this was a famous teaching of Hillel's. And so when Jesus says, if your eye is full of light, then your whole body will be full of light. If, if your eye is full of darkness, then your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the eye that is, in, if the light that is in you is actually darkness, how great is the darkness? In the ancient Near East, the word, the, to have an eye full of light meant to be generous. To have an eye full of darkness meant to be greedy. So essentially, Jesus says, um, if you're generous, it's going to provide favor to your whole life. If you're greedy, it's going to shut down your whole life. And if your generosity is actually greed masked, that's really bad. Um, isn't it funny Jesus always comes back to our heart about small things? Um, this, to, to be faithful in small things, starts to unlock bigger things. Great point. Anything else? We'll stop. Yep. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. No matter where he is, you got to find him. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the, um, uh, uh, the, he, yeah. Hebrew, Hebrew people always think function. Greek people always think form. Okay? It's always form and function, all right? Like, let me give you an example. And Moses was hid... God hid Moses in the crevice of the rock with his hand. Well, all white people f- picture a big hand. Because we think, we think form. We're from Europe. We think form, right? So God... And, of course, if God hid Moses with his hand, how big is God's hand? Huge. God's hand is huge, right? The, the problem is, is the next verse says, and God showed Moses his backside. Well, if God's hand is big, (laughs) 
God's butt would be enormous. And so, but the truth is, does, does God have a hand? No. As a matter of fact, it commands us not to put any human form around them. The, the Hebrew writers, when they write the hand of God, they're not thinking of a hand. They're thinking, what does a hand do? Function. It holds, it comforts, it hides, it protects. It's it, it, it's function, right? So when you lift something high and you place it into the hands, it's function. The, the heart attitude is, I give it to God, and then God gives it to my priest. I, I pay my taruma by wire transfer. Because I'm all over the world. And so I give my taruma by wire. And and so, good, I love that, good question. Everybody asks that question, by the way, and I always have the same bit of fun with it. I love it. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Well, that's a that's a really good question, and it's very pastoral. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very. Um, um, I think wisdom. First of all, wisdom has to reign. God doesn't want you to starve. Um, always take care of food, shelter, clothing, and electricity first. N- never give your food bill. Well, I don't want to say never. If God tells you to do it, because God told the widow at Zarephath to. Okay. So if God says to do it, do it. But don't, this is so important, never walk in condemnation if you can't, okay? What I would say to do is sit down with a budget, look at what you got coming in, look at what you got going out, and see if you can, by faith, do one part of this. Maybe it's half a taruma. Maybe it's a tenth of a taruma. Maybe on $1,000, you'll give two bucks. But it's a two bucks filled with faith. You with me? It's, and it's, Lord, I'm believing for the blessings of this to come over me. And when it does, I'm going to take the next step. And the next step. When the blessing comes, don't spend it. Use the blessing to institute the next thing. Until the whole thing is implemented. And then do it with them. Yes, ma'am. No, have insurance, for goodness sake. Yeah, some yeah. Some Christians won't eat with people not like them, but I but the but but the truth is is that here you you need a couple bits of insurance. Now I don't live in New Zealand, so you gotta apply it to New Zealand. But in America you gotta have private health cover. Are you kidding me? Um so that might be true for you, it might not be true for you. But you you need to have if you have a family and you don't have life insurance, you're just plain irresponsible. Um you need you need good term life insurance. Okay. Also, you you need to have long term disability income protection. Why? Because you might get hurt. Um, my throat is insured for ten thousand a month until I'm sixty five. If I lose my ability to talk, the insurance company's gonna pay me ten thousand a month until I'm sixty five years old. Right? Now is that not trusting God? No, that's just wisdom. I make my whole living with this tool. And it's, it's, you know, so it's very important. It's very important to have wisdom. Um, you need to have proper insurances. Some insurances is a rip. Um, some insurances 
are very necessary. And, and you ought to have your proper insurances because God, God called us to be wise. All right, well, go ahead. Right. Very, very good. Right. It's about the principle. That's the whole point with the Tarum offering. Is it's so small, it's inconsequential. It's it's just, uh, what is that? So it's about the heart. Well, guys, um, I hope you're very blessed by that today. I told you it'd be a good afternoon. I hope I didn't disappoint. Uh, And I hope that you're equipped with something. Um, I, I urge you to uh, to be obedient. Let, let's have a second. Let's have a second before we go, and, and let's and let's sit before the Lord. And if you're like me, I'll just tell you my own experience. The first time I learned this, I sat before the Lord and I prayed a prayer, something like this: Lord Jesus, um, first, I ask you for forgiveness for not honoring Taruma. I, I, I didn't know. I ask you forgiveness for where I'm lacking a Sadaka spirit. Please develop that in me. Lord, forgive us for the lack of wisdom of not saving. May we never be people who overlook the beggar in our own pursuit of God. Prayers like this. So I want to give you a moment to have a serious moment of introspection between you and God where you get this thing straight between you and Him. I want you to know before you pray this prayer that God already sees your heart and He understands. This is not for God's sake. This is for yours. Say whatever you feel like you need to before God, just quietly. Now, right where you're sitting with your head down, your eyes closed, I want you to make a quiet commitment to God. Just say, Lord, with your help, I'll live my finances your way. Lord, with your help, Lord, right now, I commit to this, whatever part of it it is. Maybe you're pretty gung-ho and you're just going to do the whole thing at once. Fine. Maybe you've got to start at the top and sort of believe God and work your way down. Lord, by faith, by faith, I'm going to give this part of it a go. And I commit to it for the next six months. Jesus name. Amen. Thank you so much. Let me be your guest. I look forward to seeing you at the back. Once again, you can pick up the full discussion of these things and these two around with some other stuff. Uh, God bless you real good. Yeah, I'll, I'll turn the service now back over to, uh, to Pastor Mike. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning.